0: These days, plenty of us get our news from online services like Google, Facebook, Twitter and so on. But the platforms that pump the news to us on the net now make much more money out of that than the media who make the actual news. And various governments around the world have confronted the titans of tech to try and level that playing field by changing the law. And that's created a bit of tension. Last week, for instance, Canada's CBC reported this. Google is pushing back against a law that would force tech companies to pay news
1: organizations, including CBC News, for each story accessed through its site. For the federal government, it's a way to make tech giants pass on some of the ad revenue to media outlets. Not how Google sees it. So what would this look like? This page you see now, mostly full of Canadian outlets about this very story, none of them would show up once the company makes its move.
0: And it's not only Google pushing back and threatening to cut out Canadian news. Facebook's owner Meta has also threatened to do that. The way the bill is drafted doesn't allow for negotiations outside the framework of the legislation. So there are no negotiations currently. Uh, We are proceeding towards ending the availability of news permanently in Canada. Now Facebook tried the same tactic before in Australia but it didn't work over there and Facebook's owner Meta and Google eventually did do deals that gave the media more money for their news in Australia because they would have been forced to otherwise by the federal government when it changed the law. And now the tech titans could also get fierce fines there for publishing falsehoods online. Under proposed new laws, search engines, social media platforms, dating websites and online marketplaces could be hit with fines of between nearly $3 and $7 million, or up to 5% of their global turnover, whichever's highest, if they fail to properly tackle disinformation. And for the first time, the communications watchdog could demand access to digital providers' documents related to fake news. Well here, our government also wants to extend media content regulation to the online realm, but they're nowhere near as far down the track. After three years of pondering the problem, the Department of Internal Affairs has only recently released a discussion paper and public input on that is open until the end of this month. But by contrast, successive Australian governments, one right-leaning and the current one which leans to the left, have been willing to confront big tech in ways that governments the world over have been watching, including ours. In 2021, the Scott Morrison-led government legislated to force the big tech platforms to negotiate with Australia's news media to pay for the news that they carry on their platforms. And the architect of the Australian news media bargaining code, Rod Sims, who was dubbed the man who forced Google and Meta to pay for news, told MediaWatch last year that the income in Australia has been substantial. Uh, I know for a fact that the payments were well in excess of 200 million, they weren't around 200 million, they were above 200 million. So if New Zealand is one-fifth of that, then 40 to 50 million sounds absolutely the right number. Now our Broadcasting and Media Minister Willie Jackson has also been prodding the tech titans to do deals to compensate our news media, backed up by the prospect of a legislative backstop if they don't. Now, Google did reach agreement with some media outlets after that for its news showcase service, but not with media who banded together to seek a collective deal that they believed would be fairer for all. Last December, the Broadcasting Minister Willie Jackson told TVNZ's Q&A show that his government would change the law if deals weren't done by the Silicon Valley giants. It's not just about the big guys like Spinoff. Off. It's about the Northern Advocate. It's about mm. the Whanganui Chronicle. It's about the Otago Daily Times. Uh, we've probably lost 50% of journalists in the last 10 years. We've got to give hope to the small guy, to the, mm. to the small players out there. And so I'm really proud to bring forward this legislation to support them. It'll be a, a, it'll be a backstop more than anything else because we're hoping that they will negotiate a good agreement. And it turns out the Minister wrote to tech companies just before that and Google, for one, wasn't too pleased. Documents released to RNZ under the Official Information Act subsequently included a letter from Google's New Zealand country manager, Carolyn Rainsford, telling the minister that Google had been dealing in good faith with other New Zealand news media. And she pointed out that the so-called small guys, like the Northern Advocate and Whanganui Chronicle, were actually part of New Zealand's second biggest publisher, NZME, which had already done a deal with Google for content on its news showcase. And Google also complained that the Minister wasn't following standard practice with a policy paper allowing for public input. But how much might our media get from the likes of Google anyway? Well, the sums are confidential and commercially sensitive, and after the first Google deals last year, RNZ's business editor Giles Beckford could only get this response from Google's Sydney-based head of partnerships, Shilpa Junjunwala. We can't give you any kind of commercial numbers because they're all commercial and confidence
1: drives, unfortunately.
0: Are you able to suggest that, you know, this is worth broadly millions for the um, publishing industries in New Zealand and for journalistic? Yeah, our global commitment for Showcase when we announced it in October 2020 is £1 over three years. But beyond that, we're not able to share anything specific to New Zealand. But this year, in February, Google did do a deal with TBNZ, and late last month it finally reached agreements with Stuff, the Otago Daily Times publisher Allied Press, the spin-off, and a bunch of smaller publishers, bringing the total number of publications to 47. But what about others, notably Meta, formerly known as Facebook? Well, Meta did a deal with the New Zealand Herald's publisher NZME in April, after NZME backed out of the collective effort to negotiate, but that's the only one we know of so far. So will that legislation Willie Jackson spoke of force the issue in the end? A draft hasn't been released yet, and as Stuff's Glenn McConnell pointed out recently, the October election means there will be fewer days for Parliament to consider bills this year. And if the government changes, National's broadcasting spokesperson Melissa Lee has told Stuff she didn't see what good would come from forcing people to negotiate. So it's a matter of wait and see then for our news media, who have already been waiting quite a while. Back in 2021, journalism expert Andrea Carson from Melbourne's La Trobe University published a major report on misinformation in this part of the world that was funded by Facebook itself. And also in 2021, she published a major analysis of that groundbreaking deal that was struck with the Australian news media, in which she said that big
1: tech's hold over the media industry might now be set to change. So, has it? That legislation was put in place in 2021 called the News Media Bargaining Code, and then the other prong, the one we're talking about now, to have a voluntary code on how they're handling mis- and disinformation, which was also put in place in 2021, and what it does is it gives um, extra powers to ACMA or enables its reserve powers to ensure that that voluntary code has a little bit more grunt. Um, It does attract penalties for platforms that systemically do not deal with mis- and disinformation, which can be 2% of global turnover if they're not complying with the code, or 2.75 million, whichever is the greatest, If they don't belong to the code and they're not complying with industry standard, those fines are double. We're looking at 6.88 million or 5% of global turnover. At the moment, there's about 10 platforms that have voluntarily signed up to what's known as the digi code, the mis- and disinformation code of practice. There's some that haven't, and we're thinking here more of encrypted peer-to-peer sites like telegram that aren't signatories to that current code in that case if they're not complying with industry standard that face that bigger penalty
0: and andrea is there acceptance among perhaps even just those who have been prepared to sign up to the code at what misinformation disinformation is and who should be able to determine you know what specific content can be classed in that way
1: it's a good question The problem is that misinformation and disinformation can be entwined. You can have um, someone acting in bad faith that can spread something maliciously, and then it can be picked up haphazardly by someone who thinks it's true, who's sending it on to friends and family. Um, But will it be your regulator,
0: the ACMA, that decides and case by case?
1: Not exactly. They'll be looking at systemic patterns of how Facebook or or Meta and Google uh, and so forth are dealing with the broader problem of mis- and disinformation on their platforms. If they're not being transparent about um, having regular reports about how they're tackling this problem, what they're taking down, what they're turning the algorithm down on, then they might be opened for a fine. There's a few things it doesn't do. It It's not going to, at this point, look at individual pieces of mis and disinformation. So we're not having a statutory authority making those judgments. Um, it also excludes political content. And uh, an area that I think is controversial is it's not looking at mainstream media content on the platforms that also might carry misinformation, and disinformation, there are things that will not be captured under this draft bill.
0: Well, that, that was a concern for people here at the start of this process, that news media might be folded into, you know, the same sort of rules. But interesting that in Australia, so now you have a Labour-led government uh, rolling out this piece of legislation. And two years ago when we spoke, it was a very different flavour of government, um, a na- uh, national and liberal government led by Scott Morrison, backing up the news media and their negotiations to get payment for their news. Is there political consensus uh, on this?
1: Yes, you're right to point that out. When the news media bargaining code came into power, it was um, a conservative government that introduced that. But in Australia, as your listeners know, we've got the Murdoch empire. Rupert Murdoch um, and his executives were um, fairly proactive in making trips to Canberra, not Murdoch himself, but his representatives, and speaking to politicians, and they have been significant beneficiaries of the News Media Bargaining Code. The idea of that legislation is to try and get the platforms and the news companies to come together and make their own deals about what they think is a fair value exchange. 200 million Australian dollars has changed hands in 12 months. About 150 million of that has gone to our two major news players, which is News Corp, Murdoch's News Corp, and the Nine Entertainment Network. The consensus is really among mainstream media organizations. Legacy organizations are fans of the News Media Bargaining Code because it's opened up a new revenue stream for them. But the smaller startups and um, media outlets have not enjoyed the same level of revenue flow. Many have been shut out, particularly by Facebook. Facebook seemed to make a calculation that once it had done 13 deals, that was enough and just stopped engaging with media organisations. And to give you an example of that, Our second public broadcaster, um, SBS, was not able to get a deal with Facebook but did get one with Google. And the same was true of The Conversation, which is our academic digest, which I think you also have in New Zealand. It got a deal done with Google but not uh, not with Facebook. And this shows a little bit of cynicism, I think, on behalf of the platforms that once they think they've done enough, And Facebook obviously saw that threshold as being lower than what Google did. It stopped doing deals and it can't be compelled to do any more deals unless the legislation gets designated. And here I think you've probably got not a great appetite coming from either the coalition government, as was in power two years ago or a year ago, or the Labor government to designate that legislation.
0: Uh, Our government took a very much wait and see what happens in Australia attitude and encouraged the platforms to do deals with our media. So one of our biggest news producers and some of the smaller ones banded together, Google has uh, reached an agreement with those ones who banded together collectively for for payment. However, Meta seems uh, to not want to respond to the same prompts as Google.
1: That's fascinating. One of the things about the Australian legislation is it was world first in that it used competition law rather than copyright law to compel the platforms to pay for third-party news content on their sites. It's had a bit of a contagion effect. The UK is about to launch a similar bargaining code um, that's being debated in its parliament Canada's had a similar bill in sitting in its upper house. Brazil has looked to the Australian Code as well. South Africa is doing something similar. And Indonesia is looking at compelling the major companies to pay or platforms to pay for news on their platforms by presidential decree. So New Zealand's a really interesting one for me to watch. A couple of years ago, we spoke
0: to uh, or in fact more recently than that to Rod Sims the former chair of the Australian regulator the ACCC you know dubbed the the man who made Google and Facebook pay now he, he in recent days has piped up saying AI is the new frontier of this and tech companies scraping online content to feed their AI engines should also uh, be paying news media for that in the same way as perhaps you know Google and search and Facebook on social distribution have been made to confront that. Is, is that the next uh, frontier on all this?
1: Yeah, I think Rod Sims is right. Google and other platforms have suggested they're going to use AI to do their own news stories and fact-checking. But, of course, these stories don't come out of nowhere. In order to have um, accurate information that looks like news, it needs to train an algorithm, a large language model based on a very large database of news stories in order to be able to... And and lots of those news
0: stories, the best ones, could well be behind
1: paywalls, right? Yes, it could be, and this is where the legislation already might be a little bit out of date because it hasn't taken into account the value that comes from training these algorithms on a large news database, and that's worth something quite a lot i to the platforms, and yet there's no value that's been put on that use of news for that purpose. So I think in that regard, Rod Sims is right, that this is the new frontier, and policymakers need to look at this to see whether the legislation only, you know, year and a half old might need to be updated or those that are looking to the Australian legislation to add this other um, element into the development of their laws. Yes, I think that's exactly what the argument will be that is coming from the legacy news media outlets. That
0: was Andrea Carson, formerly a journalist at the ABC and Melbourne's main daily paper, The Age, who's now a professor of politics and media at La Trobe University in Melbourne.